at CD Media, we are literally the tip of the spear. From Ukraine to the vaccine to Brazil, we've been at the tip of the spear on all these stories early. So if you want to know what's going on in the world early, before the rest of the news catches up, watch CD Media. But you know what? We have to make money. So we do have ads on the sites. But I know people don't like pop-up ads. They don't like ads. It's a problem. I mean, you get them on your phone, et cetera. If you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no ad subscription, which is a few bucks a month. You get access to all of our sites, not just CD Media, but the Manhattan, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, Armed Forces Press, Tsarism overseas in Eastern Europe, and CDM Espanol if you speak Spanish. So all of these sites are available with no ads. So sign up for our no ad subscription. You can find it on the websites. There's a pop-up and also in the top menu. And, and pay us a few bucks a month. Support free media. Support your children's future. Support the fight against the corrupt media narrative. Thank you very much. And now let's get to our guest. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan. This is American Conversations, and we are honored today to have with us two people who are plaintiffs in the United Airlines case, Stephanie Patty and Thad Kruber. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Christine. So, you know, this is uh, this is a case that I've taken interest in because I think going after the um, board is very important when you're standing up for people's rights because corporate America doesn't usually do something during a pandemic that doesn't include a conversation with the board. Um, and you filed it in uh, in court in Illinois. And, you know, we'll see, as Thad, we were saying in the pre-interview, we'll see what happens with the, you know, with the courts. Um, but at the same time, it's a big step. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are rooting for you. Thad, let's start with you. You have, uh, you've been, you were privately contracted before you hit the big time with the United Airlines. How long have you been there? Yeah, I've been uh, with United for 24 years. I was hired in January of 1999. And um, prior to that, it's all civilian, um, uh, you know, college four-year degree that was uh, aviation um, uh, related and uh, started my flying. Knew I wanted to do this for, since I was about seven years old. Uh, had a dream of uh, be becoming an airline pilot. And um, I... As I got into my high school and approaching college, I knew not only did I want to be at the airlines, but I wanted to be at United Airlines specifically. So the college I went to offered a uh, internship program with United, and I was able to uh, apply for that and, and get that opportunity, uh, which spurred me on to even, um, you know, more motivation to get there. And so I went through the process of gaining my hours after I graduated from college, uh, eventually getting hired in May of, or January of 1999. And uh, that was an emotional day for me when I was handed my wings as a new hire. Um, I was, uh, I reached 
you know, felt like I reached the pinnacle, my goals and uh, attained my dream. And um, and then I had a short uh, furlough after 9-11 from uh, latter 2003 to May of 2005. I was recalled then and uh, did various uh, special assignment work for United Airlines, uh, such as um, helping out in the flight office with other for other pilots and uh, helping uh, the operation out. And then that led to a uh, single operating certificate help with the merger with Continental and then um, training, uh, integrating the training systems for both United and Continental pilots. And then that led me to my the latest uh, last eight years. I've been a, a flight instructor on the Boeing 757-767. Um, so, so you've taken, you've taken a childhood passion and turned it into a dream. Oh yeah. I mean, I still, I mean, even today at 54, I go to, it's my, even my wife said, that's your happy place. When I go to work, I, I enjoy what I do. I love aviation. I love airplanes. And, uh, so when I go, even though I'm at the training center working as an instructor, we do go out and fly three days a month, at least the fleet I'm on. And whenever I do that, um, I, I really look forward to doing that. So still have that passion. And I've always, since I was hired, um, my give back to United has been since they took the chance on me hiring me, I always want to be the best employee I could be for them and uh, do the right thing. And as an instructor, train our pilots to be the safest pilots out there. So, Stephanie, let me bring you into the conversation. How, how long have you been with United? I started with Continental when I was 19. I wasn't old enough to be a flight attendant at the time. So I started on the ground. Uh, Continental went into its second bankruptcy and I eventually got furloughed. So I eventually joined in flight, uh, become a flight attendant. I've been flying now for almost 25 years. And so with the combined Continental and United Airlines, I've been with the company for almost 33 years. So when the company decided that they were going to mandate vaccinations in August of 2021, Stephanie, let's start with you first on this. What happened? You could, at that point in time, it's my understanding that if you were a United Airlines uh, employee, you could apply for medical or, or um, religious exemptions, but you couldn't apply for both. What did you do? Well, first of all, we didn't even, I didn't know that there was such a thing, you know, I mean, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do because I knew that I was not getting this vaccine. I had already had natural immunity and I just knew that this vaccine was not for me, uh, especially being that it wasn't FDA approved and all of that. Um, so it took a lot of research to find out that there was such a thing as an accommodation. And so I applied for the religious accommodation. Um, it was, there was a lot involved with that. Um, you know, you were constantly stuck to this portal because they would ask you questions. They would make requests of you. Um, for me, I had submitted a letter and given them all of the reasons why I was requesting this religious accommodation. And um, I included a pastoral letter with it as well. 
And so the response back to me was that it appeared that my pastor letter was purchased on the internet. And so I had to go down to my pastor and ask him for an actual hand signature so that I could provide that to my company. And, you know, he was kind of in, you know, shock that they were asking for such a thing, but, you know, he, he was happy to oblige and I submitted that. And ultimately I was approved for the religious accommodation. And then what happened? Were you also put on unpaid leave at that point in time? Um, yeah, there was a preliminary injunction that allowed us to remain on the property. Um, I had been on a leave of absence. I had, I had taken a leave the entire year. And so when that happened, uh, I was granted my accommodation, but because now that I have this accommodation, that leave that I was taken, I was no longer qualified for this so-called leave of absence anymore. So essentially I had to come back to work and it messed up, you know, my insurance, all of my benefits and whatnot, having to come back to work. Um, which fortunately I had enough seniority that I was able to drop my trips. Some of the flight attendants that weren't granted these colas when the company told them that they could get other employment and, and whatnot, you know, they were kind of between a rock and a hard place because they didn't have the seniority to be able to drop their trips. So it was a real hardship for a lot of people. Well, you were in a different you were in a different position than most everybody that I've interviewed. That's part of the plaintiffs uh, for this case because you had taken the leave, leave of absence the year before the mandates came out. Uh, I, I took it. I started taking it in twenty twenty. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Sorry, so sorry, twenty twenty one. I worked okay. So, all of right, but your case your case is different, Stephanie, than anybody's. Uh, you, you guys, you're like number fifteen, sixteen that I've interviewed. Nobody had taken a leave of absence prior to the mandates coming um, forth in August of 2021 that I've spoken to so far. So that that's where your benefits would get messed up. But when you when you were forced on unpaid leave, did you have access to your 401k? No, we they, did. You have access, did you have access to medical and life insurance? No, I, I lost everything. I, I lost my medical. I lost all of my benefits, insurance, all of that stuff. I mean, fortunately for me, you know, I thought that I was doing the right thing by saving, you know, having some money put away for a rainy day. But I never would in my wildest dreams had thought that that rainy day would be me having to choose between my job and a job. Dad, what happened to you when, when the mandated vaccinations appeared on the horizon in August of 2021? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I was actually on a trip. Um, I was on a Hawaii layover when I got a call early in the morning from another pilot that wasn't going to take the, the jab saying, hey, did you hear it's been mandated? And so, you know, I had one flight back to the States uh, 
that later that evening of uh, red eye and you know with with hearing that of course it's very uh disruptive to um you know a little bit of anxiety and stuff but uh it, it turns out that it was interesting because it turned out that that um flight got canceled due to due to maintenance issues so um which is kind of a little bit of a relief because that's a lot to to go to deal with at that point um but just like everybody else uh you probably heard it's it was a bit of an onerous process um there's nothing you know they have a core force safe caring dependable uh, efficient um it was anything but caring um you had to go to this uh help hub website through flying together to do these requests for your regional accommodation process uh when you ask the union hey do you have any recommendations of how I go through this process? They, they, they would tell you, hey, this is between you and the company. Uh, we can't help you out with that. So for my process, I, I submitted my religious exemption. Um, I did it the night before it was due. The reason why I had it ready about five days prior, but I was waiting just to make sure, hey, maybe maybe they're just going to pull this back and say, hey, just kidding. We're not going to go through this. You can stay with the you stay without getting a shot. And the other part was just to make sure I had all my ducks in a row when I filed it. So I submitted it on the 30th, uh, the evening of the 30th. Um, a couple few days later, well, they came come back with a email saying, we've got your reasonable accommodation request. Uh, we're reviewing it. Um, after that, uh, they, it was, you know, just the way they, I mean, no compassion whatsoever. They they asked you these questions about previous vaccines. I have a tough time calling this one a vaccine. So it's not. It's a gene therapy. They they yeah. redefined the word vaccinations during COVID. Right. So they so they came back and said, "What about other previous vaccinations you've had in your life? Uh, what's different about this one?" So you had to go through that, explain that. You know, whether you use the gene modification or saying, well, I mean, the death rate is 0.5% and I'm healthy. So, and I already had COVID, so I have natural immunity. I mean, I had a list of reasons why and um, not to mention my religious exemption. So you, so you get through that process, send that back. Then like Stephanie said, they want to get your religious acumen, if you will, about how religious you really are. So do you have anybody else, a third party that can write you a letter, whether it's a pastor or someone you know? So I had my pastor and my wife both submit a letter. Um, the pastor at this church, there's a number of United employees that go to that church. So he was well aware of what was going on. Um, so I submitted that. The problem with when I submitted that was I did it via return reply email because you would get it on your company email saying what the next step is and reply to this with those letters. So that's what I did instead of going through Help Hub, because again, no one's there to help you through the process. So now what happens is I get this notification saying, well, we because you didn't reply, respond, um, you're going to be terminated unless you take the shot. Well, I went back in and explained to them, hey, I did a reply email instead of going through Help Hub. I'll resubmit it via Help Hub. Can you give me, extend the deadline? I was lucky enough to where I guess, where they, I guess maybe that was the first time they showed some compassion and they did um, accept my 
uh, reasonable accommodation requests and I was approved. So, and then you were put on unpaid leave. Yeah, yeah. So like like Stephanie explained, uh, there was a, an extension uh, through another um, process of um, where they extended it uh, to, I think it was November 8th or November 12th was the last, was your official last date. So we got another month and a half almost. Um, the last paycheck was the 1st of December and then it was unpaid, no benefits, leave absence, no access to 401k. Uh, my health benefits, uh, my, unfortunately, my youngest daughter, right at September when all this was going on, had to go into um, an eating recovery center for her, for eating issues and um, eating disorder. And so um, I had to do the uh, COBRA because when I checked into other insurance um, plans, they wouldn't allow me to, I, they wouldn't have paid for that. And the out-of-pocket inpatient cost was so high that COLA was, or the COBRA rather was much better uh, but that was still two and a half times what my premiums were, not to mention paying, you know, a little bit of a copay and you're not getting paid. Incredible. Incredible. And so it, it, let me ask you something. If, if you both, and maybe you may not be able to answer this. Did you ever learn going through this experience, who was sitting at the table in United and making these decisions for policies, whether they're human resources, whether they're scheduling, whether they're the benefits office, was was that committee ever disclosed to any of you that you know of who are part of your plaintiff team? Well, I, I mean, the best answer I can give you is not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, certainly there was, um, you know, the interaction with the whole process, the wrap, a reasonable accommodation process was through HR. Um, ultimately, were they making that the decisions of how that process went? I don't know. I, I did you ever? That. Did either of you ever learn from your um, union representatives if they were at the table? I had reached out to my union when they had violated my seniority over the cola issue, and. You know, I, I didn't get much help. And basically, they told me that, you know, it was between you and the company, and they basically just washed their hands of us. But um, they had said, you know, it, it was the company's decision, it wasn't theirs. And said, I understand for the pilots union, there is a representative on the board of United. That is true. Yes. I think the guy's name is Insler. Todd Insler. No, he's no longer. He's not the current MEC chairman, but he was during this whole process. Yes. So did he ever offer an explanation to anybody who was who was paying dues into the Pilots Association? <laughs> he didn't offer any explanation. He was actually very combative, if anything, in regards to this this topic. And when you say combative, combative to, to somebody like you who, who had flown for United and trained there and instructed, you give training instructions to, to people who are going to fly those jets. So yeah. he was combative to you guys, even though you were paying his salary or paying his dues? Yeah, yeah. So there was a, there was a pilot, uh, and I, 
uh, a line pilot that brought up a very good point when all this started to roll out. Um, and it was really between the time May of 2021 when they came up with this le uh, letter of agreement with the company uh, to incentivize the sh getting the shot with pay. And be between that and the um, mandate, there was some time in that time frame that um, we had a pilot that uh, brought up the Nuremberg Code um, to the union and specifically to Todd Insler. And the response was, I, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it's out there and it's pretty disgusting, his response in regards to that. Um, maybe showing that he doesn't have the background and understanding of what that really means of taking bodily autonomy from someone. Um, and on top of that, I'm sure you've heard the, the comment he made to one of the other reps to tell your pilots to take the effing shot and get paid is essentially what came out of his mouth. So he was looking, he was looking at it in, in terms of the, the, the numbers. He wanted, he wanted to deliver that, which he promised that he could deliver to the board probably. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to, I mean, that's easy to certainly speculate because, uh, you know, this, the, what I heard is this uh, shot LOA, the letter of agreement was about a $40 million deal. If, if, you know, a hundred percent of the pilots took that incentive pay, that's what they were. That's essentially what that would have amounted to. So um, my story on that uh, is when that came out in May and it was, you had to have it done by the end of June, if you wanted to the pain, it was kind of a tiered system where the first half of June, you got 13 hours. If it was the week after, you got 12 hours of pay. And by the end of June, if you got it by then, it was 11 hours of pay. So depending on when you got it, you got either 13, uh, 12 or 11 hours. And um, when that came out, I let a couple days go by because I was super disappointed in, in seeing that. So I reached out to um, two LEC. We have L local executive councils at each base. So I reached out to two of them that I knew. Um, and the disappointing thing in these half hour conversations separately with each of them is almost like they had the same script is by this time there was data out in VARES, right? Enough for anybody to see. So mm -hmm. I, so I went in with these, with the idea that I'm not going to give my opinion on what they're doing. I'm just going to ask them questions in these conversations. So one of the questions I asked both of them is, have you seen the VARES data? Their response, what both of the exact same thing, what's theirs? So I knew right then that we were in trouble. I knew that, and then my next question follow-up was, so, so you're telling me, it sounds like you guys didn't, did you do any research with what's going on with these, with this, these shots, these emergency use authorization shots? Sounds like you guys, like Alpha didn't do that. So that's when I knew we were, we were headed for that. That was not going to be good. Wasn't going to be a nice outcome. Mm -hmm. So what I find is interesting in all this is the months that they mandated it and the month that in fact, people were invited back the month that they mandated uh, the vaccinations, so-called vaccinations for United employees 
was August 2021, around the time that the breakthrough cases were showing up. End of July, beginning of August, all right? Then when they invited you all to come back in March of 2022, it was the same month that United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby was appointed or it was announced that he was he was appointed to a Department of Homeland Security as an advisor. Correct. I'm just putting that out there because I just think that that's interesting. Now, mm-hmm. were any any of you on any of the flights that carried the illegal immigrants that United flew? Were any of you on the, what is it, the, the uh, baby formula flights that United not. flew? Were any of you on the flights uh, coming out of Afghanistan when that fell in uh, August 2021? It was not. No. All right. Um, but those were, those were contracts that United got with the, with the U.S. government. Yes. Was it a conversation among United employees at that point in time? Well, it was a conversation amongst us that are awake to what's going on um, that are in this group or these groups that are standing up. So since you have filed your suit, and I know that there's some of you have been in another one and now you've come to this one. Have you, have you experienced any discrimination or have you getting pats on the back from some of your employees or both? Uh, now that you filed the suit. Stephanie, you want to take that first? I was receiving a lot of discrimination and hostility before the the mandate and, and during the whole process. Um, but I had been out, you know, we were out on that unpaid leave. And so I kind of just, you know, fell out of sight for a while. And so when I did return to work, um, you know, I, I was greeted with mixed emotions. I had somebody, you know, tell me that when I had explained, you know, why I had been gone for so long, uh, somebody had said to me, oh yeah, we know because we have a list. And uh, for the flight attendants, they had put out uh, a seniority list and they designated us as being employee requested on an employee requested leave of absence, which we certainly didn't request this leave. Um, so they kind of put a target on our back to identify us as being unvaccinated. So they skewed the message, but they but that was at the same time that uh, the CEO Scott Kirby was out there telling the public and taking accolades from the Biden administration for vaccinating, so-called vaccinating, 99% of their uh, employee base. Right. And so when we did return, uh, we still had the restrictions in place where we couldn't fly to a a good majority of these countries. I want to say it was 29 different countries that we were restricted from flying to. So that created a difficulty. Um, and, and as far as trading goes, when I would try to trade a trip, if it was one of these destinations that was restricted, 
uh, it, it would give a identification to the other person that I was trying to trade trip with that I wasn't COVID vaccinated or something to that effect. So, you know, they were displaying my medical status to, you know, all of the different flight attendants when they told us that this was going to be protected health information. And that wasn't true. So do you con you consider that a uh, breach of HIPAA privacy violations? I believe so. I mean, they told us that, you know, if you were going to update or, or to input your vaccination card, that it was going to be as secure as your social security number or any other kind of private information that you provided to the company. But that, that wasn't true. Ted, what happened to you? I, I mean, I had a little bit of both. Uh, I didn't, I felt like there wasn't a lot of, and may, it may be because the small sample size of not being out as a line pilot, but being in the training center. Uh, the one thing that uh, was bothersome was prior to being put on leave of absence, uh, because I wasn't vaccinated, any training center employee that was not vaccinated was required to wear a mask. So there you go. If, if you're wearing a mask and others aren't, they kind of know that your status, right? And- uh, Well, segregation, medical segregation. Sure. Yeah. And um, and then uh, we, I think we talked a little bit offline there about that uh, scenario I had where I was teaching a class and um, one of the students was, um, they, they got in a conversation about the whole COVID narrative and then I wasn't going to say anything. And then eventually they he brought up the situation with the unvaxxed employees. So I, and this was two weeks out from the uh, September 27th date of being let go. And so I just said, Hey, I'm one of those that's uh, going to be fired effectively for not taking this uh, shot. And um, he was taken aback by it and couldn't believe it. And, um, and when it was at, when he was asked by the other crew member, don't you feel bad for this, for your, our instructor that's going to be fired for this? Uh, he basically didn't answer the question. So I pretty much knew that he probably was fine with that. Um, and then after, in the, but on the return side of things, coming back in March, um, there was a, a handful of other instructors that, uh, Mort said, we're glad to see you. And, you know, we're glad to see this nonsense being turned around because it, it was ridiculous. So, um, so I had, I've had that as well. Um, but there's still some, still some things that are, that are in play, you know, you go on to flying together and there's the whole coronavirus, you can link that you can click on. And it's, you know, if you, if you haven't got your booster, get your booster, you know, so they're promoting, promoting this stuff still. So. Is that internally at United? Yes. How do they do that? This is this is on the, the whatever website that United employees get into? Yeah, the, the employee webs, the flying together uh, employee website. Yeah, when you when you click when you log in on the homepage, there's a kind of right in the middle of the page in red coronavirus update. Um, if you, you know, if you click on that, it's going to tell you how safe and effective the shots are, the, uh, the boosters. And, and then, uh, and then it does say that they're, 
there are can be some adverse reactions, but it's very rare. Um, and, and you know, the, the, there's one number that the public needs to focus on, and that is the 30 years collectively prior to COVID and how many adverse effects were reported on bears and uh, how many have been reported on bears because of the COVID shots. There's yeah. been more in that period than there have been the 30 years cumulatively prior to that time. And that's an, and, and I and I do say for anybody who wants to check the mortality rates that they need to read Ed Dowd's book, Causes Unknown, because that's, that's when he looked at the deaths during the COVID um, period of time in 2020 versus the post-COVID uh, shot rollouts. And it's, it's a pretty convincing book if you just want to take a look at the numbers put together by guys who have, you know, extraordinary Wall Street experience at BlackRock, you know, taking a, a fund from $2 billion to $14 billion. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that this man doesn't know his numbers. He knows his numbers better than a lot of us. Um, and and, it's, and it's, it's a good book to read. What is it that you want people to take away from this, Stephanie? I mean, I mean you, you guys are definitely committed to seeing that this never happens again and it doesn't happen again in this way if it's necessary to, to happen again. But what is it that you want people to hear? I mean, do you think that the skies are safe when you fly out of Hawaii? No, not at all. <laughs> you know, especially with the two recent incidents that have that have happened there. Um, yeah, it, it crosses my mind every time I get on a plane. Um, but as far as, you know, what I would like people to take away from this is that, you know, it, it's not about the 30 of us that are involved in this lawsuit. It's we're doing this for everybody, because I think that the majority of our co-workers, had they known that there was such a process as this, you know, reasonable accommodation, I, I think more people wouldn't have felt coerced. They would have, you know, known that there were alternatives, there were options for them available, but it, it was never offered to us. We had to seek out this information. And so I would just like for you know, people to know that we're doing this not only for ourselves, but we're doing it for our coworkers and we're doing it for, for, you know, our country. It, we just don't want to see this happen to anybody ever again. Nobody should have to make the choice of your job or the job. If, if we lose our medical and bodily autonomy, we don't have any freedom in this country. Dad, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with Stephanie. Um, you know, I have two daughters, uh, you know, a beautiful wife. And, you know, I'm not just fighting for myself. I'm fighting for them. I'm fight, fighting for the other, um, standing up for the other employees that were coerced. I, I, I'm guessing we, I don't know what the number was, but I think there was probably about 2,000 pilots that waited to till the mandate came out. They I don't, they didn't want to take it. They didn't take the incentive pay, but they were coerced. Like we all were coerced to take it. And um, I'm not looking for, I am not looking for a big payday. I'm not looking for, that's not what this is about. This is about, and I want United to, I'm still in a United employee and I want them to be successful. However, I do not want to see this happen again. I don't want my daughters to have to, deal with, if we don't stand up now 
like Stephanie said, we're going to lose our freedoms and our liberty. And, and that's, that's more important than anything. I, I don't want to put you in, in, in a position if you don't want to answer this question, but I want to ask it because you've both been at United for a long period of time. Do you think that this COVID policy has changed the brand of United? I mean, from a corporate business point of view, do you think this, this COVID policy and what they have done to their employees really damages it? Do either one of you want to answer that? That I'll let you go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, you, you, want, you, you, you always wanted to fly, you said that at the beginning of this interview for United. Yes. Yeah. And I still do. And I still, like I said, I want the company to be successful. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of years. It's not just the COVID stuff. There's other things um, that they, their initiatives that um, I'll be honest, I don't agree with um, political. These are, the, stuff. these are the political initiatives that Kirby's leading the fight over. That, yeah. Know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that that a lot of there's hypocrisy in it. There's a lot of I, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that just I I was infuriated about is we had the summer of constant riots and cities being just trashed and all this stuff. Not a word from United, which is fine. They don't need to step in that arena to say anything. And then you have a two to three hour incident in D.C. on January 6th. And boy, the, within a day or two, they they have it on their employee website about that incident. So you had a summer's full of day after day of that stuff that was going on. No word. And then they then they take the opportunity to say something about that instead. So there's just it's just that there's a lot of other things. Um, it's disappointing. And then you see what happened with the, the covid policies and like stephanie was saying there's there can be a rift now that's created with the employees and i like i said i haven't had anything other than that one story i told you i i know other people that are standing with us um in the same fight that have had some really pretty bad things said to them and so that culture right of being together and being a family is is somewhat broken because of it. It certainly sounds like there's a corporate dysfunction and that there is a out of control uh, top management in terms of not listening to the people who actually do the work at United. That that is very very clear to me um, because the leadership is out there boasting about uh, diversity. And then when I'm talking to people inside United and I'm talking to the women who are the flight attendants and the guys now can you know, cross-dress as flight attendants, it, the women still have to pull back their hair when they're serving and they also have to wear heels, but the guys get to wear makeup and, and you know, paint their nails. And, and I just sit there and I think to myself, is anybody upstairs at home in the C-suite and not taking a look that the decisions that they make there are damaging people at the bottom? It's only through the, it seems to be, it's only through a prism of politics because this didn't happen at Delta. It didn't happen at Southwest Airlines. 
But Scott Kirby really, he jumped off the cliff and he said, I'm in. And he wants to be the leader of the DEI around the world, you know, with, with as an international airlines. He is, he wanted to be the first, he wanted to be able to say that they had 99% of vaccinated employees. When in fact, you know, there's questionable whether or not you guys were even counted because you refused to take the jab at the time. And you were technically off the books. You weren't fired. You couldn't collect unemployment because you weren't fired, but you didn't have access to your, your 401k. I've never heard of somebody not having access to their 401k under circumstances like this. But I, I tell you something that I've been around long enough to say this and traveled enough around the world cover, covering, covering a lot of dysfunction politically. Until the Canadian bank freeze happened, I'd never seen this in the Western world. And when I heard that you guys didn't get your 401ks access to it, I thought to myself, wow, this is a huge story. This is a, this is a head snapping story that is happening here in America in a corp in a public corporation. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they did everything they could to make it as painful as possible. So, you know, you, you acquiesce to this uh, jab. Um, so even, even if you were one of the, I mean, I know someone that took, was, took the lead or, you know, got placed on this uh, leave of absence, like all of us. And then um, by December, they're like, you know, I, in the state I live with, the costs, the taxes are so I, I have to go back to work and they and they eventually took the shot to to get their job back. So um and if if I if it's okay to add one more another thing sure. about uh regards to you know Alpa, the union. Um so back in uh October of twenty twenty one, so now we're you know sitting on leave, still getting paid because it was extended. But uh, we had a Zoom meeting with the local council there with, for the training center for instructors. And and as you know, on Zoom, right, you can type in your questions and whatnot. And so the question came across, has there anybody, has, have you, do you have any data on any adverse events or reactions for our pilot group with the, with the vaccination? And when they got to that question, and the unfortunate part is I don't have the screenshots and I don't have, I didn't record this because they, instead of responding via text, they responded, you know, audio and voice. Um, so this is going to be he said, she said thing, I'm sure. But um, I do have other witnesses that heard this. Their response was zero. Zero pilots have had adverse reaction. Now, this is, we're talking October of 2021. I know someone, there's another person that was on the call that knew someone else. We know people that pilots have had adverse reaction, bad ones, I think up into being killed by it. Um, so immediately, myself and this other individual typed in there saying, you need to go check your data because it's incorrect. It's not, the number is not zero. So their next comment was, well, these pilots need to go to Alpha Aeromedical with these issues so we can get the data. So as soon as I rolled off the what was going to become the new MEC chairman, he was at this in the Zoom meeting. Um, I, I texted the guy I knew that had this uh, bad adverse 
reaction to the Moderna shot. And I asked him, didn't you go to Alpha Aeromedical when this all happened? And his response back was, well, yes, I not only did I go to them, but they told me they're seeing issues with this. So somewhere the data is not being given to Alpa or they have it and they don't want to talk about it. So then in November, the next month, we had another Zoom meeting and I figured, okay, since we push back on their zero data, I'm going to ask the question again. So I asked the same question, have you, do you now, have you now seen any adverse events for pilots? And the answer was the same, zero. So. That, that says it all, doesn't it? That says it all. If you have the data and you don't report it, you don't release it, and you're still trying to coerce people to get jabs, that would, that would be considered a lack of informed consent for people who are pushing the jabs if they're withholding the data, the same way that the FDA, C, CDC, NIH, NIAID, and even the Biden White House, who have all been told by the vaccinated that they have neurological and vascular injuries, and to date, our government has not come out and officially acknowledged the vascular and the neurological injuries that have been found in the COVID so-called vaccinations. How do people find out and how do they help you with this lawsuit? Because I know that you guys have some links out there for people to donate. Who wants to take that? They can go to uh, Give, Send, Go, and it's uh, givesendgo.com forward slash wings for liberty. And we also have a Life Funder site, and it would be lifefunder.com forward slash wings for liberty. And you can also find us on Twitter as well at wings for liberty. Dad, do you want to take? I'm sorry, I'm sorry Stephanie. What did you want no, to say? No, I, I was just going to say that you know we would appreciate anybody who feels it in their heart to donate to this because you know, like we said, we're we're doing this for not only for us, but we're we're doing it for our coworkers and everyone else out there, so that this never happens again. And and congratulations on stepping up because it takes a lot of moral courage. And and I've said this before. And Tad is, Tad, Thad has asked me, you know, what do I mean by it? But I do mean it when I say it. If you get any retribution, you know, call your lawyer first and call me second. We're going to get the word out there because they, people don't have the right to come after you guys. <clears throat> they really don't. And they, because I know that this is tough for people to come forward. It, it really is. Thad, you've got the last word on this. Yeah, I think uh, also we're on True Social and Rum Rumble as well. And again, it's forward slash Wings for Liberty and Justice. I don't, I'm not sure why those ones are Wings and Liberty, uh, Wings for Liberty and Justice. But the as Stephanie said, the other ones are just Wings for Liberty. That um, may be that may be our series that's out there. We may have that okay, which sends them to your sites. Okay, because we we put out our interviews on our site, but then we also put it out over those sites as well. So that might just be the because we that's what we've named it for the wings for liberty and justice. Okay. And that's and I and the life funder may be that as well, wings for liberty and justice. I'll have to verify that. But um yeah, we really appreciate any any help we can get. Like Stephanie said, this is not just it's not about us. I, I'm not I, I, I'm not looking for it'd be nice to get the back pay, but um it's about stopping this from never happening again. And we just wanna give our heartfelt thanks to you, Christine, for being a voice, helping to be a voice for us and help us get our voices out there. 
um, just I, I can't say enough about what you're doing. We really appreciate it. Well, I'm honored that you guys came to us. And I know that we helped with the vaccine to get the word out in 2021. It was difficult. And I think that you you all have, you know, you deserve to have your voices heard and you deserve for Mr. Kirby and for everybody in the board to be uncomfortable because of how they treated you because they also wanted to gaslight these stories. That's very clear to me now. They wanted to gaslight these stories. Yeah. It would actually make, and, and having gone to Georgetown Business School, it would actually, I, I think this is a case that would be a, um, business school case of how not to do how not to do this policy the more i learn about it so here's to you guys good luck with that everybody please donate and help these people because they're they're doing it for all of us and god bless you for doing it thank you thank you christine thank you christine